You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. All right. Uh, like I said last night, a little bit different format this week because of the holiday. So what we're going to do, we're going to, I, although tonight I think we might make an exception for it, we're going to, we, we might run over just a little bit. But we have three angry Englishmen that are on tonight to discuss uh, their view of what's happening in the UK. Of course, Prime Minister Boris Johnson last night announced, or no, two nights ago, announced a tier four lockdown in, I, I believe it's starting in the city of London. And we can talk about that. Uh, also, a part of the country where you are currently residing, Marty, is going into tier four as well over Christmas. So we will discuss that. Uh, we also have a very special guest joining us this evening. Daryl, how are you this evening? Thanks for joining us. Very well, thank you, Johnny. Of course, we got Steve back. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm okay, thank you, Johnny. Yeah. And Marty, as always, you're gracing us with yeah, your what do you want? How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Get on with it. So <clears throat> I have to ask because I, I failed to ask last night, and I, I do apologize. Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and I just like to rub that in every once in a while. So, you know. We got all the way to the end of the podcast, and as we clicked off, Bruce said, I'm doing fine, by the way, thanks. I didn't ask him. <laughs> I'm just glad he stood up to you and told you. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. But uh, this week... I intentionally waited till the end, till we were done recording. See, just, just to Have be honest. Have you been drinking some of that beer that's got female hormones in? Because that's a lady's trick. <laughs> are you serious? I don't mean to be misogynistic. It just is that women are really good at arguments because they will get you, they will ambush you right when you don't think it's about to happen. And, you know... That's, that's a fairly sneaky trick there, Bruce, yeah, but I, I applaud it nonetheless. So this week, uh, I said that we were going to kind of change format a little bit, and that's due to the holiday. So we can kind of mix in a little bit of the horse and around because we're not doing um, morning shows this week. We are doing the uh, a kind of a mix of morning and, and afternoon, uh, and we're doing it in 45 minutes to an hour. However, we can go as long as you gentlemen would like, depending on where the conversation goes tonight. But uh, I thought I would start with our guest this evening. Uh, and Daryl, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you here to sit down and talk with us tonight? Hi, Johnny. Um, yeah, basically, I've worked in the funeral industry for the last nine years. Um, and I've, I've seen, as you can imagine, um, many different scenarios, situations, etc. But bearing in mind the, the current climate with the coronavirus and everything that is projected on the the, the, the media um, and everything that they, they feed you from the funeral industry point of view it's a very different very different story we're not really seeing any increase in mortality as such it's a busy winter as winters have been but it's not to the levels that that you witness on the news the media they'd have you believe that people are, are dropping dead everywhere which it, it really really isn't the case whatsoever and that's true. That's exactly what everyone's being told, is exactly that. Death is the highest we've ever seen it. We've got numbers that are the deadliest days that we've ever had. Now, of all people that we've had on to talk about this, of all people, you working in that industry, you would think that you would be one of the first people to see that increase, and you're not seeing it. No. Um, to the point that 
there are several funeral companies that um, employed people on temporary basis, part-time basis, even full-time um, at the start of the pandemic, hoping, well, stay hoping on, you know, apologies if I offend anyone, but to, to see a rise in, in the death rate hasn't hasn't happened. Some of those people that the, the larger companies employed have since been let go. Just the, the natural, you know, people, staff leaving, they haven't been replaced because there genuinely isn't the need for, for any more manpower, um, you know, during this pandemic. I, I just failed to see that there that there is a pandemic. I, I don't know where where these figures and these these you know bodies are. I, I've not seen no evidence of them whatsoever. It's, it's really interesting to hear you say, to, to hear you say that. Do you think though that the lockdown and more people working from home, less people on the roads, all those kind of things have had a significant impact, uh, a positive impact on the number of people that are going before their time for instance do you think that could have anything to do with it potentially um i was looking at some figures today because all we keep hearing is um that the death rate is a five-year high um etc etc but if you look at the uk death rate back to 2001 the death rate was much higher in 2001 than it is now let alone five the five-year you know the five-year period i think they pick that figure because it suits that, oh, look, you know, the death rate is much higher now than it has been for the last five years. But you go back to 2001, that was higher again. And yeah. I can also remember in 2000, I think it was 17, 18, could be 16, 17, we had a, a flu epidemic, if you like, which was much, much more severe than this current pandemic. We, we, we really, really struggled. And I mean, seriously struggled to accommodate the, the number of deceased uh, and the workload. And those levels are, are not even nearly, nearly there at the moment. I, I tried to look up the, the death rates from flu, you know, your average run of the mill everyday flu. Um, mm -hmm. And I went to the Office of National Statistics. Oh, I can't even say it. I put, I'm breaking these teeth in for the dog. Office of National Statistics, and it's so complicated the way in which they express things. You want numbers. You don't want a percentage of this and 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 um, this as, as a graph and so on and so forth. You want numbers. That's what everyone wants at the moment. They want they want the actual hard numbers so that they can work out a decision uh, uh, and an opinion for themselves. And I think the people who are supposed to provide us with this data are deliberately making it difficult to access they always have done um the figures are there for for medical cl 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 clinicians sorry i can't get my words out now yeah, can i have my teeth uh, back please <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so they always have been but if you think there hasn't really been a need for the average person to to look in depth at these figures so that's never been remedied in the past because there's no need for it to, to have been um, it's only recently that people have, have really paid attention at the death rate. I mean, previous to this, it was, it was only the medical professionals and, you know, obviously funeral companies, et cetera, looking at projected death rates um, to put in, um, you know, prov provisions um, for, for the next season's flu, et cetera, et cetera. But the death rate's steadily been going down for several years. And, and like I said, the death rate at the moment is, is nothing to what it was 19, 20 years ago. You see, you'd expect that, wouldn't you, with um, 
with the advances in medical science, not myself included necessarily, but people are living a more healthier lifestyle. People are lasting longer. So death rates would appear to go down. But that's that's the very thing that the shadowy bastards that we call the New World Order and the and the banks and the hedge funds, that's what they're concerned about. Because the longer people live, the more pension they wind up drawing from their annuities. And and I think that's the, the root of all this. I, I, I honestly think the banks are empty. And um, the- I would add a little caveat to that is yeah. that obviously the people that lived through the, the, the Second World War, they had rationing and their lifestyle lifestyle was far more healthy than it is today. Oh, yeah, um, I, I, those, I totally agree. So those people lived to, you know, granny, traditionally 70, 80, 90 years old. What we're seeing now is the people that were born in, say, the late 50s, early 60s, they never really had the rationing. They never had the the healthy living as such. So we see a lot more people in their 50s and 60s with heart failure uh, and, you know, health-related, you know, uh, breathing difficulties and so on and so forth because they haven't ever lived that healthy lifestyle. So naturally, we do get younger people dying now as more than what we would have, say, 20 years ago because of people's lifestyle and the way they live. I I can see that as as a, a way of looking at it, but obviously the transplant surgery, all kinds of artificial devices that can be put into the body to prolong your life, that they've come on in leaps and bounds in the last 10, 20, 30 years. And and that must have an impact. So I think on one hand you've got these um increased morbidities from people who haven't had uh an, a very austere lifestyle. Uh, they haven't had to experience it. So, yeah, you're probably right. This this bracket from the 50s through the 60s and 70s, people have been used to a constant supply of food and they've eaten too much. Uh, so I can totally see that. But the, I think the, the advances in medical science must go some way to balance that out to a certain degree. It, it does to a certain point. But as you can imagine, the amount of deaths that happen year on year there's only a certain amount of operations that can be performed. So it does offset it. But on the grander scale of things, it doesn't really, it's not going to make a, a massive effect. It's just as a, such. You feel it's like a drop in the ocean as compared with those morbidities caused by overeating and so on. Definitely. Sorry, Johnny, what were you going to say, my friend? I was going to say let's uh, let, let's shift here for a little bit. We're into that for about fifteen minutes. Let, let's shift here a little bit. Let's uh, let's get into the lockdowns uh, and what this is doing because this has been the big development over the last twenty four to forty eight hours, and that is Boris Johnson's come out and come up with this grandiose now tier four lockdown, whatever in the hell this thing is, and it's a complete lockdown, complete shutdown. Marty, you are in the south of England where this supposedly <clears throat> new strain, mutated strain or whatever has has popped up. And I mean, I'm looking at this because I mean, we look, we've been looking at the data, the real data at this thing for months now. We've been talking about it at nauseum here. We know what the agenda is behind most of this. We know what the whole thing is with the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab and all the rest of it and how these governments are compromised and doing the bidding of guys like him and on board with the CCP. Have you guys heard anything about the uh, the big data dumps? The 1.95 million names? Not a word. Not, nothing not about a word. It? Same here. No. Nothing here. So Nothing here. With, so, with that, just on that point very briefly, uh-huh. I would have expected some kind of statement from government 
to either refute, refute, <laughs> there's them teeth again, refute it or say what they're going to do about it. But there's been nothing. We need to fully check the veracity of the the news piece that says that there, there were these 1.95 million people's details revealed to be CCP members. So why are we not hearing anything? I, I just don't get it. Well, I get it. If they're on the take, I get it. It makes perfect sense. If the corporations are compromised and have CCP cells in them, then they're not going to report on any of that stuff. Same thing with the government people. If they're on the take, look, let's let's be honest. The governments are not doing this of their own accord. The UK government, the German government, the Macron government in France, the Belgian government, the Dutch government, the Italians, the Austrians, the uh, different American states, the Canadian government, they're all doing the same exact thing. They're all saying exactly the same thing. These people are not that intelligent to come up with this stuff on their own. Right. You manage your populations accordingly based on whatever steps need to be taken for your respective populations that work for you. Not this one size fits all, which leads me to believe that they're getting it from somewhere else. These people aren't coming up with this crap by themselves. They're all doing the same exact thing. So the curfews, the even down to the times of the curfews, all happening the same way. So tier four has gone into effect. And I'm sure it wasn't, or maybe it was, I'm not sure, but I'm sure the video that I saw was amateur video. I saw, you know, cell phone footage and and all that. But I saw the thousands and thousands of people that were at all the transportation hubs in London 24 to 48 hours ago trying to get out before the lockdown went into effect at midnight. And my argument to, to that was, as soon as I saw that, I'm sitting there thinking, you people can't run from this. You, you can't run from this. Where are you going to go? Where on earth are you going to go? As far as I'm concerned, looking at all of those thousands and thousands of people, and please, you guys tell me if you disagree with this, looking at all those thousands and thousands of people, my thought was, all you people need to be marching your happy asses down there to number 10 and down there to Westminster and don't leave until those people come out and answer for this. That's that's what needs to happen here. I genuinely think that there is soon going to be an uprising. I, I think people have genuinely had enough now. And Christmas is is the cherry on, you know, the icing on the cake. Unfortunately. It is going to happen, but I think we're still at about 60% who believe what they're being told and about 40% who who are starting to wake up. I've said many times on here that I don't like lazy memes, people who are just copying and pasting other people's you know, ideas. And there's been lots of them recently, uh, people who I consider friends, posting stuff like, it's not his fault with a picture of Boris. Boris didn't cancel Christmas. These lot did, and it shows protesters. Mm. And that's that's what we what we're up against. Even people who are being oppressed and, and manipulated. About sixty percent of the population are still believing every word they get told. Until that balance flips, you will not see anything near the numbers that you need to make a worthwhile protest to actually stop things from happening. Do you and know? Then, I- yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry, man. I get really frustrated when when people are following the, the narrative and telling me how bad this virus is and how deadly it is. I point them in in the direction of, of you know the internet and and tell them to do their own research. And normally, nine and a half times out of ten, they come back to me and say, "I cannot believe this is actually happening." But the information is there. If people look and and you know read and look up on on what's going on. It doesn't really take long to work out that regardless of what your beliefs of, of exactly what's going on, it doesn't take long to work out that, that something is amiss. And I wish more people would take the effort just to look into it a little bit deeper. 
Yeah, all all we need is uh, is a healthy level of skepticism. Yeah. We don't want people to uh, believe necessarily exactly what we say, but we want them to have a look and at least go, yeah, that doesn't sound quite right. Uh, you know, it, what we're being told doesn't match our personal experience. Well, and, um, yeah. Sorry, mate. I can tell you, I I went to London to to do a funeral. Um, and after all the videos we had of London and, you know, people dying and how terrible it really was, we went down there to collect the deceased from a, a funeral home and we took uh, plastic aprons, the mask, the gloves. We was expecting everything to be clinical. We got there and I kid you not, the mortuary attendants, they greeted us as, as you normally would. We went to put on our pinnies, etc. And they said, no, don't worry about that. And they said, oh. You know, thought that we'd do everything correct. Ah, oh, don't worry about it, mate. So we said on the news, you've, you've had it really bad down here. He said, I don't know what part of London they've been, but that certainly ain't around here. And yeah, that's uh, first-hand experience. I think we, by now, we all know someone, you know, that has, has got COVID as cause of death on their death certificate. But I'm not seeing, we, we are just not seeing those pictures that they showed us a year ago of people dropping down in the street. And, uh, you know, the, the mass hysteria that there was in um, Wuhan, you know, that's what they fed us at first. And no one's mentioned bat soup or pangolin sandwiches lately, have they? No one's, no one's talked about the idea that this virus is, it has come from some kind of natural, you know, evolution process. And I don't know if I've already said this. I said it earlier on before we started to, to record that Hunt, our health minister, made the Freudian slip of calling this new mutation that they're justifying putting us into tier four by, he called it a variant, not a strain or a mutation. He called it a variant. And to me, the word variant suggests a design. It's something, you know, a, a particular thing that has been changed by design. That's what the word variant means. To me, anyway. But more than that, it's it's the what this is, right? And this is just me looking at it from the outside, from a geopolitical standpoint, and bringing it up to the modern age. Because you would have seen this type of behavior seventy years ago during the Second World War. But this time, we have a new culprit in the mix, right? We have COVID. How do you justify a blockade to a nation right now that you consider to be uh, an ally, shall we say? How do you justify that? Well, you can't. But if you use COVID, then you can leverage that that situation and you can implement that blockade. This is precisely what's being done to the UK. The Brexit talks didn't go very well with uh, uh, Boris and uh, Van der Leyen. And so what happened? Well, your government decided that they were going to start drafting legislation. We talked about it here a few days ago on sinking EU fishing trawlers, right? That's a little bit of a, of a provocation. And of course, now there's a buildup on the other side. The French, or the French government says, well, uh, we're going to start monitoring your fishing vessels and blah, blah, blah. Now the, uh, the scallop wars are, are back and this and that, right? And it all turns into this fishing rights thing. And, uh, and it's a giant mess. And of course, this could get out of hand very, very quickly. And you've signed deals already with many other nations around the world for trade. Plus, you have the Commonwealth that you can trade with. And so you have your own trading block, just like you did about 100 years ago. And so now you're being put under a blockade. That's what's happening. That's what the tier four is about. That's what this supposed mutation is all about. That's, uh, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. It's laughable. Your own professors, some of your own professors. I've got a, a quote here from Carl Hannigan, who's a professor of evidence-based medicine at Oxford University's Nuffield Department of Primary Care. 
And he's expressed skepticism over this new mutated variant or strain or whatever in the world it is. He says, I've been doing this job for 25 years, and I can tell you, you can't establish a quantifiable number in such a short time frame. Every expert is saying it's too early to draw such an inference. I would want to have very clear evidence rather than we think it's more transmissible so we can see if it is or not. It has massive implications. It's causing fear and panic. But we should not be in this situation when the government is putting out data that is unquantifiable. They're fitting the data to the evidence. They see cases rising and they're looking for the evidence to explain it. So even he's saying it's a it's a load of nonsense. So, Johnny, sorry, are you saying that the the European uh, Parliament or, or, or whatever have blockaded us in so our government have come out and said, well, we need to explain this away. So they've come up with this variant idea. I'm thinking so. Bring it up to the modern world. Okay. What are we all being held under at the moment? We're all being held under siege, aren't we? Right. We're being cut off from what we know is normal. We're being cut off from our resources. We're being cut off from everyday life, our habits, until we capitulate to their demands. Right. Wear a mask, social distance. You can't go to these places because we've closed all of them down, but you're going to take this vaccine, which if this mutation were true, then it would render that vaccine completely irrelevant. It wouldn't work. I'm bringing it up to the modern age. I'm looking at it in the sense that it's being used. They can't very well go through this process like they did in the last century. That's outdated. It doesn't work. When you have physical armies marching in on a population, a population sees that as a threat because inherently we as people are designed to fight back against that. But we, we can't do it with this. So they make it about something that's very contagious, but very, very, shall we say, non-lethal. And so it turns everybody into a suspect because they've made it about everybody else. They haven't made it about you. So they say, OK, well, you don't want to do anybody any harm, do you? You don't want to kill your, your elderly parents or your grandparents. You don't want to do that. So this is what you need to do in order to prevent that from happening. They know that most of us are good-willed people and we don't want to do harm to other people. So they turn that back on us. And that's precisely what they're doing here. Yeah, I honestly think that the uh, the negotiations, the recent negotiations between von der Leyen sorry, and Johnson, total sham, a scam. I don't think they really even talked about it. The fact that the UK has left the EU has made this societal reset so much more difficult. And Trump. Yeah, and Trump. Because if if we were still in the EU, then the laws would be passed inside the EU parliament and they would immediately apply to the UK. Now, the UK is only, or was only one of 28 or 27 member states, but it constituted about one third of the total revenue that goes into the EU. So by leaving, it's significant. They are going to do everything they can to make life hard for us. And I think Johnson, if he was actually not a traitor and uh, and hadn't sold out to the New World Order, then he would be standing up and saying so. But he's not. He's, he's, he's still spewing out this complete load of BS every time he, he, he does one of the um, Downing Street announcements. So I don't think they really did negotiate properly or, or have a proper discussion because they know that at the end of the day, the UK economy has to be crushed so that they can get on with the societal reset. And the three economies that have to be brought down, you've got to bring down the US, you've got to bring down the UK, and you've got to bring down Germany. Those are the three economical powerhouses of the West. You've got to bring those down for this yeah. to move forward. For, for the World Economics Forum plan or prediction that there will be several superpowers and that, uh, you know, 
there, there'll be this um, shifting of wealth uh, around the globe, advantaging the developing countries at the disadvantage of the developed countries. And with without that, they, they can't achieve their aims. Oh, just uh, as a side note, I believe it's Macron's birthday today. So I wish you a very happy birthday and I hope you choke on your baguette. Sorry. Right. What was next? <laughs> you know we have French listeners, right? I, I, I do know we you. have French listeners, and I'm hoping that they show the same level of disgust and civil disobedience that they do every time they complain about our lamb going through their and, ports. You know, speaking of... Their- Go on, sorry, carry on. Spe- speaking of the French, they actually came. Bruce and I saw the video of it the other day. They they came up with a very ingenious idea. The French protesters that are out there uh, protesting the lockdowns, they came up with a really ingenious idea. And to be honest with you, I have to hand it to them. Uh, you can you can barbecue me for that one if you want, but I got to give it to them. The French protesters were out there mixing up mortar and bricks, and they were bricking up the entrances to the French Parliament so the government couldn't get in there. And continue to make laws and, and pass regulations and the rest of it. Yeah, well, we all know the Polish are the best bricklayers, so those brick walls that the French are building will probably fall down. But well done. <laughs> it was that was good. It was good. And and these were not these were not meth head skinny um, Antifa people either. That's that's not what I'm talking about. These were no, business none of them, owners. None of them have have got. Um, any qualification in bricklaying. They've got qualifications in gender studies or air guitar or something like that. Yeah. Just, um, just going back to the, um, to the vaccine uh, side of things, I found it very interesting that every year they say that we have to have a a different vaccine for the flu. um, Yet this uh, coronavirus has somehow mutated, but the vaccine that they've, that they developed six months ago or, Two months ago, I have a long, you know, you, you wish to believe they came up with it. Oh, no, still still fine. Still works. Oh, really? Sure. Yeah, that's because that's because it's an RNA vaccine that identifies the um, protein spike, which was the cell targeting element of HIV, yeah. um, which they put into the virus to create COVID-19. So it didn't come from a bat soup and a pangolin sandwich. It was created in a lab. And that's why they say that the Pfizer RNA vaccine will still work. Um, but they haven't said it in as quite as clear and as honest terms as I just did. It's um, it's quite strange, isn't it, that Australia, and that's what Johnny was about to uh, raise his finger to talk about, Australia have stopped um, with their vaccination program because several of the first people to be vaccinated have come back with positive for HIV tests. They're not actually, they haven't got HIV, but they are testing false positive, positive. For, yeah. false positive for HIV. Because the Aussies, the Aussies reverse engineered what was actually the virus itself. And they, they created their vaccine based on that. Yeah, um, about six months ago now, I bought a copy of The New Scientist that talked all about COVID-19 and what the actual virus was. And, you know, it, it shows this spike this protein spike, the shape of it and how it engages with other cells and so on and so forth. And um, so they've known, because Australia said, oh, we've got we've got a vaccine almost straight away because they did exactly that. They reverse engineered the, um, the, the actual strain of the virus and came up with something that would stop it. So, yeah, where was I going with this? That's, that's why they can get away with saying that the vaccine will work for this new variant. Um, because it's designed to latch on and make your body identify this protein spike, which is inside 
HIV. Uh, Steve, uh, jump in there. You're awful quiet, man. We've been rambling on here for 30 minutes, man. Jump in there. What What do you want to What do you want to jump into? Been listening. No, I just wondered how come what happened in um, Portsmouth and Gosport to jump from tier two to tier four, and also bearing in mind you've got the Isle of Wight just across the water um, in tier one, um, but also. Just going back to what you were saying about the 6040, I was out in Durham City today. Um, very few people about it's run up to Christmas. You'd expect it to be packed. Um, all right, the weather wasn't very good, but I did notice more people seem to be wearing masks all the time outside. And obviously, I think that's where we're going next. I think that's going to be the next uh, thing that uh, um, it will be mandatory masks whenever you leave your house. Um, I've said it for a while. I've said it for months. That will be the next stage. But it, it was, to me, it was quite um, blatant that uh, people are now fixed into their positions. We're not gaining too much from the, what should I say, the followers of of the, you know, the ones who do. You mean the sheep, the, Steve, the sheep, the sheep. The yeah, sheep. I'm trying to be yeah. polite. Here. No, don't be polite. We're, we're, no, we're don't be polite. polite. We're, we lost we're polite after polite. 14 days to flatten the curve. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, I, I, I realised, you know, that was such a shock because I remember, I, I mean, I messaged Marty on Thursday last week when they went into tier three. Um, and then uh, shock of all shocks. I thought, oh, it's just London and Hertfordshire and Essex. And then, you know, oh, um, Gosport and certain areas down on the south coast have also got up to tier four. And it was like, how have they managed it? You know, um, uh, and this. um we had a little incident on the bus today with regards uh, a, a family member of mine because the bus driver decided to turn around and um, tell him to uh, basically lift his mask up um, over his nose, even though he's actually exempt and doesn't have to wear one. And um, he's spoken on about 800. Oh, it's worse up here, parts of Durham, 800 cases per 100,000. Um, blah, 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 blah. Well, I just sort of like mouthed back to him before I got off the bus that the masks don't work and that uh, um, the PCR tests are unreliable anyway. But uh, he didn't like the fact there was about four of us got off the bus um, not agreeing with his view on the whole thing about wearing masks and um, what he was saying. But you see, he's a bus driver, therefore he's an essential worker and his opinion is worth more than yours. So um, I'm I'm being facetious. It's funny, isn't it, the way... Yeah, we're. I'm in the south. Obviously, people in the north of England are far more friendly, and they talk to each other even on buses. Here in the south, you look for a, a, a double empty seat so that you don't have to engage in conversation with anyone. And if the um, if the driver um, has the audacity to engage you in conversation, we have a scathing look, and that normally shuts them up. But that, I think that's what's needed here. Can I just say I feel. Frustrated for, for, foremost when people are, are, are completely following the, the narrative and believe everything they're told. But secondly, I feel a bit sorry for them. All right, so I want to go over some of these uh, these tier four rules that went into effect last night at uh, at twelve oh one a.m. So the new restrictions mean that people in London, of course, Portsmouth, Gosport, and haven't. I can't believe you guys have a town named Haven't. I can't believe that. Uh, you will not be able to mix households at Christmas. Non-essential retail and other businesses now have to shut under the new tier four rules. You have a stay-at-home order, of course. I think that kind of goes without saying. On the government website, website, it says you must not leave the house or be outside of your home except for when you have a specific purpose or a, quote, reasonable excuse. Not quite sure what a reasonable excuse is. How about the fact that I'm not a prisoner? Can we start there? I mean, I think that's a pretty good reasonable excuse. Work and volunteering. You can leave your home for work purposes. 
where your place of work remains open, that is, of course, if you're not doing home office, uh, or where you can not work from home, including your job if it involves working in other people's homes. So you can break the uh, the the non, you know, mixture as long as you're working in someone else's home. That's fine. But yeah, essential activities. You can leave your home to buy things at shops, which are permitted to open in your area, but you should stay local. For instance, you can leave your home to buy food or medicine or to collect any items, including food or drink, ordered through click and collect or as takeaway to obtain or, or to obtain or deposit money uh, from a bank account or post office or whatever, or to access critical public services. They say that there's a section below that. I'm not sure what critical public services are. Fulfilling legal obligations. You may also leave home to fulfill legal obligations or to carry out activities related to buying, selling, or letting or renting a residential property or vote in certain elections taking place overseas. So you see, you can still vote. That's fine. You can gather in big places and go vote. That's okay. Um, yeah. So there, there's our list of, of restrictions. Oh, no, okay, it goes um, on. But yeah, go, go uh, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before we do that, just in, in defense of the town known as Haven't uh, in the UK, obviously at some point or another, the good people of America uh, ran out of British towns because it's a much bigger country to name their towns after. So we've got a list here. We've got Fork in Utah, Dinosaur, Colorado, Fries, Virginia, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, Bluff, Alaska, Soda Springs, Idaho, and Bangs, Texas. So let's not let's not laugh at having, hey Johnny? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> touche, my friend. Touche. You're welcome. Um, right, the joke of it is, uh, this is my understanding. So it's a single household, and if you if you qualify as carer for a vulnerable adult who lives alone, they can come into your bubble for Christmas Day. That will be happening happening a lot. But let's just look at that. Most of a lot of the people who haven't been working from home, who haven't been self-isolating in that in that respect, because they've they've been to an office or a factory or a school if they're a teacher, or a hospital if they're a care worker. And they've been in contact with a lot, particularly teachers, they're in contact with those little petri dishes known as children. Children carry all kinds of bugs and germs and, and diseases. And teachers, particularly uh, when they get to half term or a holiday, come down with something because they've been running at such a high level. It's a very busy job and, and their own immune system is getting them through. But as soon as they start to relax, um, all these bugs the little darlings are carrying come out. So if you've got uh, a family where there's a teacher in the house and you bring your vulnerable person in, then there's a strong chance that they that they could catch something. So whilst I totally think it's all baloney, the rule itself doesn't make sense as far as preventing, you know, reinfection or, or, or infection of people. It just doesn't make sense. Bruce, can you give me the rundown real quick on the rate of infection from asymptomatic people to infect others? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, if you're asymptomatic, uh, the chances of you spreading the virus to someone else is 0.7%. That 0.7% is also significant because that's the death rate, 0.7%, because Funny the how that disease works. has got a 97, oh, sorry, a 99.3 survival rate. Funny how that works. Yeah, yeah. And um, just so happens that um, it, when you are symptomatic as well, uh, the chances of spread is actually 12%. In your own home, by the way, in your home with other people there, it's 12%. Uh, that's because 
And we've seen the advert now, Steve. Remember the one you mentioned the other day? Apparently, yeah, if yeah. you've got it, you breathe out this horrible green cloud. Uh, you got to you know, be the, joking the, me. No, this the, is, the, the this public is, you information. Know what? I am so sick. Uh, and I, I mean, no disrespect. I'm so sick of seeing this stuff coming out of uh, out of these these idiots that are standing up there at your podiums and giving these little speeches with their their little signs and their little their little hands, face, space. It's like you're a preschooler. It's like you're in kindergarten, for God's sake. That's what it seems like. I mean, I'm watching this and I'm like, I feel like I'm being talked to like I'm five years old when I hear these idiots go on about this stuff, which none of them have a clue what they're on about. They're just reading off of a script. But these scientists, they've spent their life in academia. They've very few of them have spent any real time as a doctor, an actual practicing doctor. They, they go into these research jobs and roles and they're always looking for the next bit of money to continue their research because that's what pays the big bucks. We've talked about this b- before with GP and when Ned was on, and and that, that's the way it is. So they are probably some of the most inclined people towards holding their hand out for the brown envelope, and then will spout whatever their lords and masters are telling them to spout. Um, you know, I'm, I may I may have to correct myself because a lot of these politicians have done economics and history as a combined degree before becoming a uh, a career politician you know never having ever had a real job or experienced what real life is all about they go straight into politics after university i'm beginning to think that um a degree in creative writing is probably more apt to politicians these days uh, and and maybe the the national qualifications framework and the national curriculum needs to to look at that and add more creative writing into education so that people can become politicians in the future. This is slightly off the subject, well, it's really, but can anyone confirm about, uh, I had heard Professor Ferguson was back on the uh, SAGE or advising the SAGE team again. And, Mr. Armageddon. Uh, as we know. Sorry, the, Mr. Well, Armageddon. Ferguson, yeah. yeah, Ferguson was also the one that went off to see his lover, wasn't he, during the lockdown? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, and, also, and also, I was just going to say, as we know, Sage is uh, made up of mainly behavioural uh, psychologists and not immunologists or virologists or whatever you want to call them. But that's um, what you need. If, if you're going to manipulate a population, you don't need virologists. You need behavioural scientists. You need sociologists. You need people. You need historians to say this is what happened when Hitler did it. This is what happened when Stalin did it. You know, so, you know just as well as I do the arm load of books that I have, the, the stack of history books that I can reference. I can pull any of these things and reference, and that's why it's so easy to see what's happening because we've seen this before. We've seen all this before. We know exactly where it's coming from. We know exactly how they're manipulating it now to get everybody back into that position without even realizing that people are going into that position. We're being fed into yeah. a wood chipper and you got all these people out there, the ones that are out there wearing masks that are driving around in a car by themselves, right? Those are those are the lemmings that are going to walk right off the edge of a cliff and take the rest of us. Yeah, Steve, you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen those idiots. I was going to say, the book burden's already begun. I mean, it's just amazing that you try and point out to people that, well, back in July, you weren't wearing a mask all the time. Sorry, I should say mask. But you aren't wearing a mask all the time from just before July when the figures were absolutely plummeting. And all of a sudden, it's like, um, oh, oh, my God, you haven't got a mask on. You know, it's like, um, you know, you're so, you're so dangerous. And to me, it's like, uh, have you forgotten history? Have you forgotten that uh, you were sitting, you know, 
beside me in the office without a, without a mask, you know, a few months ago. And we were getting on just fine. We weren't, you know, being infected. And, uh, and, and there's other things that you just see that people are just like erasing history, even in the short term. They just don't seem to remember. Uh, I, I think the period where we, start to where we are now. I think the periodicity is about four months now, because it was about four months ago that Ferguson committed to his, his wrongdoings and made a bad mistake and got sacked off of Sage. But four months later, he's back on because everyone will have forgotten about it. And and they say that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And uh, if the, the trouble is, at the moment, looking back, you can see, like Johnny says, all the, the points in history where this kind of crap has been forced upon you know, decent populations to control them. The trouble is, hindsight is 2020, but everyone's having dust thrown in their eyes by the mainstream media, by our politicians, so that we are as myopic as ever. Even looking back, we can't see uh, exactly what they're doing to us because we're getting fed such a load of propaganda by the mainstream media, by the politicians, and until we get, as I, as I said earlier, until we get to the 60-40 split in favour of people waking up, I don't think we're going to see the level of protest necessary to bring down governments. If if we could all press a button this, you know, now and instigate a general election, I think we'd do it. However, we'd wind up with more of the same because we haven't got the framework of independent politicians that we can trust. We'd just elect another party. That's the problem. I don't think that matters what party you've got in power. They, you, you know, unless they're exceptional, um, <laughs> they they will, you know, take the, the, the king's shilling and, and go down the route of um, the, the global lockdown and masks and, you know, all no, that. You're, you're absolutely right, Daryl. And, and a few days ago, we mentioned the fact that politicians can be bought. You don't even need to buy all of the MPs of a party. You only need to buy the leadership. If, you, if you're going to try and influence a, a country's government, you don't need to bribe the entire body politic. You just need to, to bribe the leaders of the party that's in power. And Keir Starmer, he's one of those people that I despise anyway. I was reading uh, something about him a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember yeah, what it yeah. was. He was I'm he made some kind yeah. of a statement or something. And I thought, really, you're actually you're actually taking that standpoint on something. He's been very very quiet, and his history or his background is as a civil as a as a civil rights lawyer. Now they should be good people. We should applaud them and and think they're great because they're standing up for people's civil rights. But the majority of what they do is defend the indefensible, the sort of people who are defending the coming back of uh, Shamima Begin and the people who defend terrorists and all those kind of things. Sadiq Khan was also a civil rights lawyer. But because he's been so very quiet, it leads me to believe, and, and basically gone along pretty much with whatever the government is saying. He makes the odd statement every now and again and tries to score a few party political points because when Boris sails off into the sunset with his couple of billion from the New World Order and there is another election, Labour will probably get in. So that's all he's doing. He's just pl playing the game to keep the power uh, and, and and those kind of things. And they're, they're despicable. We haven't got the politicians we need. We need new leaders. We need new politicians. We need independent people who speak their mind and speak the will of their constituencies, not these plastic, false, traitorous 
individuals that we've got in Parliament at the moment. The trouble is you need an honest politician and they're very, very hard to come by. That, my friend, is an oxymoron, isn't it? It's a, it's a contradiction how, in terms. Honest but, politician. How, how about this? I mean, maybe we're looking at this all wrong. We're looking at this as a solution of saying, OK, well, we need to replace this politician with another politician. How about we don't replace them with any politicians at all? How about we remove the politician and we replace them with real people from the community and put term limits on them like there should be? Yeah, why not? The thing is now... We have got the technology. Obviously, we wouldn't use the Dominion system, but we'd use a, a decent system where there could be a referendum terminal you, in every you, home. Hold on. No, no. Just, I don't want to gloss over this. Are you saying there's a problem with the Dominion voting systems? Oh, oh no. I would never say such a thing. After your Supreme Court dismissed all those cases there was no standing. out of hand. There was no, there was no without, standing. No standing without even reading the evidence, without joining up the dots of who owns the bloody company to work out whether or not there might be a vested interest or yeah no we we could we've got the technology now to have a referendum machine in every house so we don't need the bloody politicians what we need is really clever and forward thinking civil servants who can come up with policies come up with projects and plans to spend the country's money in the right places and then the country gets to vote and it can go down to regions as well. It could go right down to this whole idea about the, uh, I don't, I haven't heard any more about it. Is is HS2 or HS3 still going on? The the rail link. Fine, yeah. Uh, Are they still going yeah. ahead with it? Yeah. And, know, yeah. And, and so the people's who, the people who it most affects, as in the people whose towns and villages that new rail line will run through, they would have a, a waiting on their votes as to whether or not it happens. There's all sorts of ways we could be better governed and, and more fair and more transparent. But of course, you know, it's like Turkey's voting for Christmas. You wouldn't get the politicians bringing this into play because it gets them out of a job. Well, I was, I was then going to say, that's assuming that the people have any grasp on, on running the country. It's a myth. We vote a government in, the government do what they want. And that's always been the case, and it always will be the case, and it's never going to change. You know, they've thrown you a few crumbs, and people are, you know, influenced by, uh, I mean, you're talking about America with regards uh, the guy who changed his mind in one of the um, lawsuits, um, wasn't his son killed or something? You know, there's just so much uh, corruption going on from above. Just the whole system's got to change, and, you know, these... Uh, You've got to get rid of the corruption. Yeah, you've got to get rid of the corruption. You've got to cut it out. I mean, all aspects of society. You can't just do this halfway. And this this is kind of what we're seeing in the U.S. right now with uh, with Donald Trump, with the election that's, quite frankly, it's been stolen out there in front of the world. I mean, anybody can, can see that. We, we've gone over the actual hard evidence time and again here. We've been going over it since since the night of the election. And all you hear from the media is, oh, there, there's nothing to back that up with. It's a baseless claim. It's a baseless claim. It's right out there in front of everybody. The courts, when you take it to the courts and you take it to the state legislature, as you said, Marty, no standing. They don't even look at it. It'd be one thing if they just sat down and looked at it. They don't even bother to do that. They just toss it and say, well, yeah, there's nothing here. Sorry. But what he's doing, he's exhausting every single legal option. You notice all of that is being done. Every legal option is being taken. Everything's on the table and the courts aren't even hearing it. The state legislature is not even hearing it. And so what's the next step? The trap has sprung closed on them. So they've walked into the room and the door slammed shut and it locked behind them. Now they can't get out. So they're panicking. So they're going full bore. If you've looked at Biden's cabinet picks, 
Have you heard of any of these people except for maybe one or two? You haven't, have you? Never heard no, of them. No. Same thing with Kamala Harris, the supposed yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, John Kerry, that's about the only one. And uh and and Pothole Pete, the uh the mayor of uh some town in Indiana that hardly anyone's ever heard of. No offense to our Indiana listeners, thank you all very much. But um he's picking these no, this uh you know, the, these nobodies and his supposed vice president, she hasn't resigned her Senate seat yet. A podium's being built, a platform's being built in the National Mall right now. But Biden says he's having a virtual inauguration. Why is that platform being built? Is it for Madame Guillotine, as I suggested just the other day? No, no. The the cult, how, how was it? The culverts shall not run uh, the, full the, of the blood. The culverts will run with the blood of the impure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's something how the French national anthem is, yes. But uh, no, it's it's not for that. It's for the inauguration of the person that actually won that election, and it's not Joe Biden. Oh, oh, I see. You know, um, there's something were... else in play here that I had you look at the other day. Okay. And it's a... Uh, oh, yes. And I, yes. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's something else in play here. And we're, we're not quite sure what it is, but there's something else that's going on here, and we're not, we're not able to figure it out quite yet. Maybe we're not supposed to. I don't know. But... These uh, these idiot politicians are busy playing Chinese checkers, literally, and Trump's playing chess. Now, I'm not going to sit here and and uh, tout the guy and, and stroke his ego and all that stuff. If anything, that's something that guy doesn't need. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's this brilliant mastermind and all this stuff. But I can tell you what I know about Donald Trump is all of his siblings quit playing board games with him when they hit their early teens. You know why they quit playing board games with him? Because he'd beat the hell out of them and they could never win again. And that's what's happening with this guy now when it comes to politics. He's beating them at their own game and they can't stand it. Everything with this election, the whole thing just stinks to high heaven. The American people know it. I mean, look at what's happening. You're putting millions of people out there in the streets in support of Trump. You can't get 15 people out there to support Biden unless it's Antifa out there beating up a bunch of people. Uh, with bike locks. That's all you can get. And so th- this is this is not going to happen. And if it does happen, then I can tell you very quickly what's going to happen in that country. The police and the military are going to step aside and the people are going to have to clean up this problem. The government has an obligation at this point right now to fix this. And if they don't fix this, well, then there's no need to keep them around in those offices. They can leave those offices at their leisure. So there's something else that's going on here. And we talked about Executive Directive 51. He's well within his legal right at this point to exercise that. And I think that's what people are expecting him to do. I don't want to see him do it. I really don't. I, I don't want to see that. That's terrible for us to go down that, that road as, a, as an American populace. We don't want that because a lot of people are going to get hurt. But how else are you going to deal with this corruption? One thing I learned about working organized crime cases all those years, you go after the whole damn network or you don't do it at all. You get a few of these people. All you have to do, you get a few of these people, the whole system's going to go into self-preservation mode because they're a bunch of cowards. They're a bunch of chicken neck cowards and they're going to start ratting on each other. So you have you have got to have mass arrests. You've got to have the tribunals ready to go and you're going to have to try these people and you're going to have to do it on national TV. Johnny, what do you think the chances are of Trump actually turning this around and showing Biden and his team out for what they actually are? Okay, I'm I'm more confident than not that it can be done. And a lot of people that are on Team Trump, as in former uh, military generals and and uh, whatnot that are a part of his team, are saying it's a done deal. Uh, this is all going to go down. Uh, and this is why you're seeing the moves to withdraw American troops from around the world. You notice the drawdown. It's happening. The carrier placement 
in the U.S., anybody can go and look that up, where it's being placed right now that's never been done before, those carrier placements. On top of that, there's also uh, another move that he's made in the last few months, and this was before the election, uh, and that was he's essentially created another branch of the military that is responsible directly to the Secretary of Defense. The Secretary of Defense is a former Green Beret, one of the finest uh, that we've ever had. And he is directly responsible to the United States. Now, all special operations forces in the U.S. directly report to the Secretary of Defense. And the Secretary of Defense reports directly to the president. No one else. No bureaucracies. No uh, no going up the, the line. None of that stuff. So if he's going to use this option, which, like I said, with Executive Directive 51, he is which was put in place by George W. Bush, he's well within his legal right to preserve the Constitution of the United States against an insurrection. And so... If he's going to go that route with it, the moves that he's made over the last several months leads me to believe that he stands a very good chance of turning this around. But he has to put it to the people. And that's what he's doing. He's putting it to the people, showing the fraud. If the fraud wasn't shown, then you wouldn't have the backing of the people. You wouldn't have the backing of the military. None of it. You need to have that. Uh, mm -hmm. And if he doesn't have that, then none of this is going to work. So if if we didn't see the fraud, then we never would have seen what we're going through now, which is what we called in uh, in litigation process discovery. So what are we seeing now? We're seeing discovery, aren't we? We're seeing all the networks and all the people that we otherwise wouldn't have seen, right? All this has to happen. We've got to see the worst of it in order for this to be justified. So that's that's my take on it. Well, I think with Trump, which, what the, the, you know, Illuminati or, or what the cabal or whatever you want to call them, they didn't bargain for us. He can't be bought. Right. Do you know, he, he, he's not, he's not a Boris, you know, he's, he's got no. his money. He, uh, he's got his ideas and yeah, I wish him all the luck. I really do. Do you guys, on a side note, you guys know what's going on in Wuhan right now? No, lots of shopping. It's their oh, national pastime. They are partying like it is 1999, my friend. They are having a big time. Yeah, Gumbay, which is cheers in Chinese. Yeah, I'm sure they're having a great time. Unfortunately, the uh -huh. rest of us are not. And I've, I have got a theory as to why they've picked the areas to go into Tier 4. Probably nothing to do with infection rates. It's probably got more to do with chatter. Um, intelligence agencies monitor all kinds of chatter on social media and other forms. And if there was chatter that looked like a protest was about to take place, that's why they put us into these. Which would make yeah, tiers. which would make sense if you go back to the. And I was making this reference the other day uh, offline, privately. If you go back to the American Revolution, we're yeah, no, no, no hard feelings there. But the arguably the most successful revolution against a tyrannical government um, the world has ever seen. But I'm not being biased or anything. Remember. The truth always lies between two opposing this, points of view. Yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and what I'm about to say is is 100 fact. The elements in the U.S. Well, the colony at the time, the colonists, or, yeah, all, all the colonies at the time. The the element that was key in mounting a resistance against the British at the time were churches, restaurants, and taverns. If we didn't have those three institutions at the time, it's quite possible that mounting a, an effective resistance and plotting a resistance against the British might not have worked. Now, I'm asking, is it any coincidence that we're seeing exactly those institutions being targeted now? No, I don't think it's a co uh, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence. It, it's by design. And it's also breaking people's spirit. I am not a religious man. I'm a, I have my own faith system. But I can imagine people who are used to going to church every week 
or more than once a week are feeling this and it's it's affecting them emotionally other people who who worship at the bar shall we say they're not getting their nights out so they're fed up and yeah cheers um but again it is connected the uk parliament is overly represented by bame people the actual percentage for the country is 14 percent, but the number of bame MPs is about 22 to 23 percent if you go name by name. And the reason for that is because it's a block vote. All the the Muslim MPs will be voted for by the group of mosques that are in their constituency. And the more mosques you've got, the more people you've got meeting every Friday, and the more the imams will say, come the election, vote for this person. This This is what's happening. Now, in some respects, it gives us a more diverse parliament and and you've got um, different points of view that should be being raised. And if anything, right now, I'd be looking to those MPs for some kind of resistance to what's actually happening. But we're not seeing that either. You know, that, that, that's just a, th- a thought and a theory. Yes, yes Daryl. Sorry, before the last lockdown, we had several MPs raising issues with the, the lockdown and, and, you know, how that was going to pan out. And then they mysteriously received a phone call from, I think, Hancock, and they changed their, their mind in, in the vote. Well, look, even Fauci, who said, hang on, this this vaccine was done a bit quick, wasn't it? Backpedaled really, really quickly. So who's got to him? Um, he's the one that the Donster is turning to for advice. So the corruption is all the way to the top. And it's no wonder that the World Economic Forum thinks we're going to be eating bugs in the future because you normally get um, maggots and stuff in in corruption. You know, when when flesh gets corrupted, you get maggots. Uh, By the way, this just in, the government in the UK is weighing uh, weighing a possibility right now of likely to further increase restrictions soon due to the new COVID-19 variant. No surprises there. No, none at all. No surprises whatsoever. So I don't know what you guys feel, Steve, Daryl. I, I, I think this is the first time I've actually seen you kind of gobsmacked. I'm not gobsmacked. I, 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 it exhausts me. And trying to engage anyone in conversation to convince them to start thinking for themselves, I just don't have the energy for. I've got the energy to do these podcasts, but this whole situation and our apparent state of powerlessness is is grinding me right down and, yeah, and they, they need us to stand issue. down that's why they're doing it they need us to stand down so they can do this so they're they're having us turned against each other so they can carry on and do whatever it is that they're doing uh but maybe this will cheer you up this is breaking this is out of number 10 boris has come out and he's made a statement he says uh, we're now entering tier 17 and you must only leave your bedroom if you need to use the bathroom fair enough <laughs> well we haven't got time for my poem but it doesn't matter. You know what? It's no, like, we do. We do. We do have time. You've written a poem. Let's let's hear it because this is this might be the. Is this the last podcast you're going to be on before Christmas? I think it might be. Uh, okay. Okay. Here goes. Um, I wrote this in ten minutes, so it doesn't scan perfectly. But I typed it straight into the book of faces so that it could get up onto one of the the, the Facebook pages of people who are awake. And so it goes like this: "Twas a few days before Christmas." And George and Klaus told Boris to ensure all had a bleak house. Bill had his vaccine to give everyone to make them compliant and stop any fun. 
The banks were all empty and the rich felt the pinch. So they gave us a virus and it worked like a cinch. Economies crashing all over the West. The World Economic Forum knows what's best. You'll own nothing and be happy, they try to predict. All products become rented, the box to be ticked. Zero asset people, all under the thumb, blindly led to reset and kept very dumb. Cultural Marxism replaces elections. The new world orders web-like connections. Plutocracy rules and you don't get a vote. Democracy dies and leaves nothing of note. For all the good they do, your mask could be lace, but don't forget to follow hands, face, space. You'll say I'm a conspiracy theorist, but one day you'll get it, that I'm a realist. And when they call in your loans and offer an out, they'll cancel your debt if you agree to own nout. I bid you good night and greetings of the season. COVID-19 was made for a reason. I thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for like giving that. me the clap I richly deserve. I, I actually that's like a, that. As a matter of fact, I think, I think that there is a, uh, I think that there is a crowd here that's, uh, that, that has to, I mean, you know, standing ovation. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> of course, when we were, when we were allowed to act in theatres, I was used to that kind of adulation from the audience. I used to love it. The, the, the roar of the grease paint, the smell of the crowd. Fantastic. It shines through. It really does. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure having you, uh, having you gentlemen on this evening. Uh, I wish we actually had more time because uh, this could be a quite interesting conversation if we keep on with it. But uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to go. But thanks for uh, sitting down this evening. So for those of you who would like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. You can get in contact with me over there directly or you can get in contact with Marty. Uh, I believe you're, you're still taking uh, feedback over there. Yes. On Parlor. Yes, I'd yeah. like some. That'd be lovely. Thank you. OK. Even if it's uh, arguing can... with me, I enjoy that. Yeah. OK. All right. What, wh- where can people get in contact with you on Parlor? At Marty Foster. Sorry. Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's like okay, you, it's never remember your, you never remember your own phone number, do you? That's true. Yeah. I, I got asked for, for uh, I, someone asked me for my phone number a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, hell, man, I don't know. So, yeah, I actually had to call them to, to get or figure out what it was so I could actually write down my own number. You can follow me over there on Parlor as well at Anderson 3 uh, if you want to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we do need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could jump over to Apple Podcasts or any other respective platform you listen to us on that has a rating system and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, Marty, Steve, and Daryl. Thank you guys for your time tonight. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. All the best. Oh, and a Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Christmas. And all the listeners, Uh, Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas to all the listeners. Uh, Sorry, whenever anyone says Merry Christmas or or anything about Christmas. Christmas. Did you say Happy Christmas? You say Happy Christmas. I heard Daryl say Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah, okay. All right. I always heard Jeremy Clarkson say Happy Christmas on uh, on his uh, his TV show on Top Gear when he was on. He's a Roman. That's a Norfolk word. See, <laughs> our listeners will not know this, but Daryl, Steve, and I are all from the fine county of Norfolk, the finest county in England, and we, we have our, our own dialect. So keep your atrocious boys, and I'll see you later. Ah, boy. <laughs> and from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening, because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence, and together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 